generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, oh, and a white guy too, and today, another black girl. Uh, my name is Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Asian. My name is Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a black woman. I'm Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm white. Yeah, go for it. I'm Elise. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm black and queer. Nice. Okay. All right. Okay, so uh, this, uh, we'd like to start off our episode, you know what, I guess we should start off our episode by acknowledging that this is episode 50. What? <laughs> 50 episodes. Boom! I'm bankhead bouncing. I know. It's funny because we, I, I guess we bring this up sometimes, but it was, if you look back in our past episodes, we got to like episode five and we were already doing like a look back on our previous episodes. We can't believe we're here. And now we're at, at 50. That's uh, insane. Deal, 50 yeah. episodes. It's a really good yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a milestone. Amazing. Um, so, but we do like to uh, start our ep- our episodes off by talking about but I want to thank our listeners first. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I want to thank everybody that's been listening, my cousin that's actually on the podcast You're today. Welcome. But thank you so much to getting us to 50 episodes. We are just three friends in Philly that go to church together that would like eat hoagies because I feel like saying that's so Philly. <laughs> we weren't always eating hoagies, but sometimes we were just eating hoagies and chit-chatting about the ways in which we're wrestling with our faith, faith mm-hmm. in the church, um, Jesus following and anti-racism. And then Andrew had the idea that we would record it. And like one of our episodes has been listened to 1100 times by people mm-hmm. all over the country, I think all over the world. So that's amazing. Andrew, mm-hmm. you didn't give it enough love. So thank you, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> For getting us to 50 episodes, and here's to 50 more with my guys. All right. You know, it's funny because I feel like Resistant Restorer also hit 50, so it's making me feel kind of like a slacker, like, oh, we're only at 50. Well, you know what? Resistant Restore wishes it was color correction. It is true. Take that, pastors of my church. <laughs> right? Just starting war with the pastors for no heat. reason. I'm like, ah. I don't know Just kidding. Is. Resist and Restore is an awesome podcast from our pastors. Please listen and subscribe. We're just joking. Uh-huh. It actually, this latest episode, their If 50 was pretty good with Jesse Curtis. It's funny because it I was really about good. to. It was really good, wasn't it? It's. I was about to message Jesse Curtis to ask if he wanted to be on our podcast because I'm Facebook friends with him. Mm-hmm. But then Resist and Restore beat me to it. So they I, do that to us often. I know they, they did that with that Danny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know what? It, it's uh, it's because we talk about our guests on a Slack group that we share with Johnny Rashid. Is Johnny oh, Rashid an informant? Is. is he an informant? He's scooping, he's scooping us. Scooping <laughs> wow. Our wow. So we start talking in code. The so, only reason he didn't get Elise is because this was on the DO. It's because the, we, we got the, it through Bethany's Connect. He absolutely would have found you on Instagram and got you first. And then it really would have been war. Johnny. <laughs> I'll tell him I'm still available for a small fee. <laughs> Okay, um, so wanna so let's we'd like to start a podcast off by talking about uh, previous episodes. Yeah, I um I, I I was thinking back to the last episode and the things we were into, and I um I I don't know maybe it's just in, maybe I'm just in my head on this, but like I feel like I made it sound like Jeff James's book um, was just the best I could come up with in that moment. I hope nobody heard it that way. I am really glad to have read the book. It made me laugh out loud at times, especially the end. And I'm really getting to enjoy getting to know Jeff um, as, as someone who's part of our church. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We have to have him on, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely do. Don't tell yeah. Johnny. I'm sure. I'm, They've I think already, they already had him. They already, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we, <laughs> Rachel okay. interviewed him. <laughs> <laughs> but we had Jamar Tisby. Um, so That was fire. That was fire. <laughs> that was a good I, episode. I I wish more people would listen to that episode. It's a really, really good one. It was really good. 
Yeah. Um, well, my correction isn't really a correction. It's more so of an update. So um, two years ago, almost around this time, two years ago, um, there's an episode of the podcast where we happened to record the moment that I found out that my um, sorority sister, my line sister, lost her mother to COVID. Um, that was such an was such an interesting moment to experience that we were talking about COVID and its effects on us and um, communities of color. And then I happened to read the text message in the middle of us recording it. And it was to find out that that her mother passed away. Um, so as awkward as I feel about that, I also feel gratefulness um, mm-hmm. for that moment being recorded for documenting an experience that so many people were having at that time. Um, but I say all that to say this past weekend, I traveled to New York to celebrate that soror. Um, she just turned 30 um, and we have been in our sorority in our sorority together for almost 10 years now. And I just felt so much joy and affection for her, for her this weekend and being able to celebrate her and to see, um, how much she's been thriving, um, in spite of experiencing such a loss during this pandemic. She has, she is the go-to travel noir girl. She travels all over the world all the time. And Mm. she even started her own travel agency in the last couple of months. So I can't wait to book a flight with her, but I am just super proud of her. And I wanted our listeners to know um, that, yeah, we experienced that moment of loss on air. um, But my sorority sister is um, just doing so well and i'm Mm. so proud of her yeah that's beautiful that is beautiful that's my boo the thing i wanted to correct is um so i i i did ended up i ended up changing kind of sneakily changing the title of the our previous episode redeeming the third way and i added a question mark at the end of the episode title i made it redeeming the third way question mark uh because i mainly because there was some criticism that I was thinking a lot about, basically from John, well, from Johnny particularly, and he did write in, so that leads us into our next segment here, our speak up section. Um, Johnny says, um, my issue with redeeming the third way is that the term has been weaponized by homophobic, homophobic people to not offer LGBTQIA people dignity, but racists to suggest there are good people on both sides. By people afraid of conflict and anger to suggest that anger in nonviolent resistance movements is violent. And he, he goes on to talk about how, to basically summarize his book, Jesus Takes a Side. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing is, I get where he's coming from, though, because, I mean, in the episode we were talking about how the third way, that phrase used in a theological context, doesn't mean the third way in the way that it's used in the political context. I guess what we were trying to do in that episode was reorient people toward Walter Wink's thinking about the third way. But thinking back, and also in the middle of reading Johnny's book in the advanced copy that he gave us, I... That he gave us? us? Oh, okay. He did give it to us. It's in the the circle mobilizing email. You all have access to it. I I will forward you the PDF after this recording. Okay. Um, Okay. I'm recognizing that... uh, (laughs) There are some things that I think are worth keeping uh, in ter- like the word Christian, for instance. I think it's deceitful to be speaking from our particularly faith, from our particular faith tradition and try to hide the fact that we're speaking from a Christian faith tradition. But I think, but I, honestly, I don't think the roots of the phrase the third way run that deep, you know? Like if it's already been co-opted by people who use it to talk about moderate politics, then I'm okay just letting it go. Because it's not like Walter Wink came up with the idea of nonviolent resistance. Mm. People like Howard Thurman, people like Dr. King, they're the people that really pioneered this kind of way of resisting. And we can call it the third way or we can call it, you know, nonviolent resistance. We can call it other things. We don't we don't have to be married to the term the third way. So even though, like, I, I don't think it's impossible to redeem the third way, I'm kind of okay letting the phrase go because it's kind of, uh, you know, it can be a stumbling block, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm okay uh, with that too. In the spirit 
of thinking about what is worth keeping and what is worth throwing out, which is a topic that we return to consistently. We have the uh, we have the incredibly pleasurable opportunity today to have Elise with us, who is a queer black woman navigating her faith, and also Beth's cousin. Yay! <laughs> so, Beth, do you want to introduce our guest and the topic here? Yeah, so I'm super excited to have my cousin on, my cousin Elise. As I'm like saying your name, I can hear your mom saying, Lisey. Um, <laughs> but this is how I would introduce my cousin. She is one of two sets of twins in our family. There's 19 cousins. Um, she is a former uh, fanatic of Hanson. Um, she is a leader on college campuses that supports students in their student leadership and enrollment. She's a photographer and recently um, a black woman that has realized her queer identity, um, but has not been shaken in her faith. Right. She has been on a mission um, to live out both of those identities, mm. being a woman of faith and being a woman of queerness. So that's how I would introduce you, Elise. Do you want to introduce yourself? Add anything? That was perfect. That was spot on. I'm so <laughs> happy to be hanging with y'all. As I said earlier, I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so it feels surreal to be uh, have the company of you all this evening and to talk about this. Right awesome. on. Would you, so, Beth, would you can say you say that you're a former Hanson fanatic? Oh no, it's still it's still accurate? alive and well. Uh, <laughs> Madeline, here we go around again. <laughs> Deep, deep cuts. <laughs> that is a deep cut because I don't know that answer. Go, 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 Spotify later or wherever, you, wherever you stream. You're, but you can't find that on title though. I know people are upset about Spotify right now. So wherever you stream. <laughs> so Beth, uh, what, what was your thinking process when it came to inviting Elise on? Yeah. So my thought process came from a place of um, recognizing that we actually have several cousins who have come out over the years and it's been painful, um, I think, for all of them. Um, but you are the most recent to come out. That sounds, I don't know, weird. But there has been... Um, no stop in your faith, right? There, I, I think for other folks, there's been an assumption that you can't be gay, you can't be queer um, and still follow God. And I, I think there's a yearning to follow God, but subconsciously it feels like those things can't happen. For you, it's just like, yeah, I'm gay and like God loves me. There has been no differentiation. Okay. Um, and that has been really beautiful to witness. Mm. Um, and I'm glad that you've also allowed me in before you came out publicly. Um, so yeah, I wanted to have you on the podcast. I'm feeling all the flutters of affection and love. That's what that pause was. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to have you on the podcast. And I think you're the only family member I've had on the podcast. And I think this is an interesting place for our family to go in our faith expression. Mm. So it feels like something cool for our listeners to listen to. But I also hope um, it lays some new territory for our family as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm interested in in diving into some of your family context. And that part of that involves the faith background. So, I mean, Beth, you talked about how other cousins of yours, for them, the coming out experience has been kind of painful. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So what is that faith background? Elise, you want to talk about it? Sure, sure. I mean, we you actually grew up in Western PA with everybody. I was in Philly with my sister. Yeah. So you guys would go to church. Together. Yeah, we really did. And we come from, you know, Fred and Dorothy Reynolds, who I know that y'all know and um, who... I don't think they do. I never actually say my grandparents' okay. names. I talk about my mom a lot, yeah. but I I have never talked about our grand my our grandparents. Okay, so Fred and Dorothy Reynolds um, married over what 50, 50 over fifty years, years before Grandma passed, and uh, just a blessing to grow up in in that kind of home. Right, um, spent a lot of time with my grandparents. My mom was a school teacher, then principal. My dad was a coal miner. So a lot of times in the mornings, I would go, my brother and I would go there before school to get to school. 
So we spent a lot of time watching Saved by the Bell and stuff like that, eating McDonald's breakfast <laughs> before <laughs> going to school. And sometimes my pap, he drove a school van for a little while and he would take us to school. And people tried to make fun of us. It was one of those first times, one of the first times for me in my teenage years where I had to grow a new confidence because it was like, oh, you're on the short bus. I'm like, no, I'm getting a very pimped out ride to school. Like, I'm good. (laughs) You wish you were me right right now, right? Um, And I recognize that little moments like that give me confidence to do what I'm doing now, right? And, and, Mm. or not doing, but having to endure. And so it's, uh, I'm appreciative of that. And so my dad, as I just said, was a, in, is currently a pastor, um, mom and English teacher, my, and then they passed it on to my brother and I. I say I follow in my mom's, the, the women in the house do the secular education. I work in higher education and my brother makes sure, makes sure everybody's going to heaven, right? So he's, he's a prophet, apostle, all that other stuff. We, we are educators by nature. Um, and so all of my cousins, even my uncle James, he uh, was the pastor of our church and still is the pastor of the church uh, that my grandparents attended and the rest of my cousins who were also in town um, in in Connellsville called Bethlehem Temple. So my dad would come off of third shift. Um, he his, The coal mine was in Bell Vernon, PA, and he'd have his suit ready <laughs> and we jump in the car and head to Pittsburgh for church every Sunday till I was 18. Um, and sometimes I was allowed to stay in Connellsville with my grandparents. Sometimes we do a little finessing, uh, get aunt Valerie to say yes to, for us sleeping over or what have you. And then, or aunt Gail letting us come over on Sundays. Um, but most of the time, uh, we would drive into Pittsburgh, which was about an hour. I think it's important to say the time mm-hmm. it, it was a haul. Uh, to go to Pittsburgh uh, for church. And it was where I actually was able to see folks who looked like me because during the school week, Mm -hmm. I went to an all-white high school. Um, Why don't you say more about uh, the town that you grew up in? Yeah, so Connellsville, we call it Vietnam. (laughs) Um, When I tell people I'm from there now in in, uh, my educational settings, they're like, you're from where? You know, they all know what it's like to be from Connellsville. Very white, very old, um, very one-track mind. There's there's a Catholic church and a pizza shop on every corner. Wouldn't you say, Bethany, even from your visits in? Like, that's very much um, what we're about. Um, and very racist. Very racist. But thankfully... Mm-hmm. I didn't feel a lot of effects of that. As you can tell, even in my story, it, it it wasn't the first thing I mentioned when I'm describing Connellsville because my a lot of times my cousins were around because my mom had the reputation that she did as a principal in the district, one of the only black mm-hmm. women in the district. Well, I would posit that it actually had a lot of effects on you because what you're describing is like respectability. So it's clear that the message has been, and I think that is something that's pervasive in our family, Mm -hmm. is that you have to perform one idea of Blackness in order to gain respect. And that certainly dictates the way we all navigate the world. So I think it has affected us, just not uh, physically violently. Well said. Well said. Absolutely. And... Um, I'm appreciative of that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful it it allowed me to be in the spaces that I am now and uh, carry myself the way that I do. And I'm I'm grateful for that. So, yeah, Connellsville is a place I'm I'm proud to be from there because, you know, a lot of people have not been able to get out and have the success. Right. Uh, but, you know by God's grace (laughs) and my upbringing, Mm -hmm. I am where I am. I would say the interesting aspect about Connorsville is that it is a poor white area. 
And there's an interesting dynamic between Black folks and poor white people Mm -hmm. because poor white people want to be and have the respect that they see rich white people have. And even if you are a respectable, quote unquote, I'm using quotation marks, Black, they, they are really working hard to still uphold the hierarchy of white supremacy. So that was always an interesting dynamic that I noticed when coming to Connorsville. That aspect of poorness and whiteness really added a mm-hmm. particular flavor to the racism mm-hmm. in Connorsville. Yeah. And see, it's yeah. it, someone outside can articulate that so much. When you're in it, it's just like, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that Beth is describing that you're talk you're describing yourself as having developed a certain kind of resilience. Mm-hmm. Beth is talking about how she's really impressed by your resilience and your ability to navigate both queerness and faith currently. What were the messages that you got about being gay or being queer as you were growing up? I'd even ask first, what were the messages that you received about who a Christian is growing up? Mm. Both of those are good questions, right? I think if you start with the if you start with the Christian thing, I, it's someone who goes to church every Sunday, reads their Bible faithfully, faithfully meaning every day. Um, you know, their pastor knows them; they know their pastor. They serve in some capacity at their church. Oh, you better serve. you better serve, mm-hmm. and you better tithe your percent. Mm-hmm. And and I'm again, I'm very I'm very grateful for having that background. Um, but it was, I shouldn't say very clear, but you just, you just have this knowing, right. Of the, the people who have the a swagger, that's just a little different, right. Who may have, what does that swagger look yeah. like? Say a little bit more about that in the black, church. in the black church. Right. So, cause our churches are blicky black. <laughs> That's what I love about our faith tradition. Yeah. <laughs> there were some white Pentecostal churches that my mom talks mm-hmm. about, but that experience is so uh, culturally black. I love it. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you mean by that that swagger. That's a little bit different yeah, in the black I think, church. I think one thing that's always a telltale sign, it's specifically men, I would say. Uh, their voices are different. Uh, they dress, a li- the pants are a little tighter, <laughs> right? It's just these, um, they're not hanging out with the guys. It's just a different, <laughs> it's just different. And those are the mm-hmm. immediate things that come to mind. Um, I think you just know it when you see it. Uh, What's the it? There's a different energy. There's a different aura about. Are you describing gay people, girl? Yes, with a... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get you to say. Uh-huh. And you used every other word you could think of. <laughs> Elise, Elise is, she, she's got her like thesaurus of euphemisms. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> like wordle all. all. <laughs> you're one of the first blacks to play wordle but i think it's interesting to point out what you're talking yeah. about right because that's that is a part of the black church right. like oftentimes um gay men specifically will be relegated to their talents on the choir but that's it and we try to ignore that we know that this person is gay whether they're celebrating their gayness in their dress right. whether they're celebrating their gayness in their speech etc and so on it's not something to be celebrated, even though we appreciate this person's talent, right? We love the way they drum. We love the way they sing. We love the way they lead the choir, but we want to silence some aspects of who they are. And I feel like that's what you're speaking to, right? The swagger that's just a little different, but we all are made to ignore right. it. And and that's the unfortunate thing. I think we have missed out on so many opportunities to embrace gay people in black church because they are who they are and and it's like but if they're able to make you forget about being let me let me put it like this one of my goals always when i would lead worship and my brother shared this with me once is to make sure people aren't feeling like they're at a concert we are there to worship god you know, it's not about Elise. It, and because I always was self-conscious about my voice. Like I can't do the pretty runs, but I can 
usher in the the spirit of God. And that's really what matters. And that's how I kind of coped with being this person who, because my brother is the singer in our family, but I have a good singing voice too. And I had to kind of own that space. And that's what, how I came to, okay. And God was like, you don't have to do the pretty runs. It's all, it's about me. It's not about you. And I was like, okay, we're good then. And if someone who is gay is able to do that, that should be your first sign that it God welcomes everybody to mm-hmm, worship mm-hmm. him. And mm. uh, we we have missed out on that opportunity right there. That's that's just one of the many that I could that I could name to you all. And I hope if you're sense. if you're at if you're at Elisa's church and you're and she, and she's leading worship and you are like being led to worship in the spirit and it's Elise leading. That's that's the proof in the pudding. What I hear you saying is that God gifts all of his children and the fact that somebody can express his gifts illustrates that God is living within yes. them yeah. and that that needs to be honored and respected. Mm-hmm. How has that been in your journey for you, being able to feel confident in that realization? How have you gotten there, particularly in the messages that you received about being a person of faith growing up, right? It's It's been, it, it has its highs and its lows, if I could be transparent. Um, it almost sounds like you're still working Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I know, I, I know that I know, right? Um, and the affirmation that I get from people, that I've gotten from people has been it gives me the strength. It's it's kind of been, I think you saw my tweet, uh, my chosen family really showed up for me last year. Uh, so mm-hmm. I officially uh, came out like on social media uh, December 10th. Uh, mm-hmm. But I came out, I started dating my girlfriend April 24th. So, and then I told my parents... Uh, Father's Day weekend. It's so interesting that these milestones, you can rattle these dates (laughs) off. Like, obviously, this has been a really significant process for you. Can you talk a little bit more about your process specifically? Discovering that you were interested in women. I don't know if it was women, if your girlfriend specifically you were attracted to, but what has been your journey to discover? Yeah, so... How oh, do I start? I, well, I think it's significant to mention that I, I had been pursuing this whole entire, like, for like seven, nine years, a guy that I know um, from college. And I had finally just been like in, this was early September. Okay. I, I was finally just like, we're done. We're done. Of 2020. Yes, of 2020. Like, we're not doing this anymore. I had just read Mike Todd, (laughs) his his book, Relationship Goals. And I just knew if I kept doing what I was doing, it wasn't going that, it it just wasn't working, right? And then I met Allie. And and, because I had traveled up, I'm pursuing my doctorate at, at Gannon University. And... She and I met once, you know, just just some pleasantries, blah, blah, blah. And then we started talking and I was just like, oh, and I and I even tried to kiss her the one night we were all together. And I was just like, here we are now. Now, now the math, <laughs> now the math is mathing <laughs> for me. And I, I completely get it. And that's at like 31 years mm-hmm. old. So what what was going on for you before that? Do you think? yeah? Do you think you were trying to convince yourself that you had a different identity because Absolutely. it didn't feel like a an option as a Christian? Yes. Did that's, that's, yeah? Tell me more. Yeah, about that's that. that's definitely. It didn't feel like an option. It's something I had definitely suppressed so far down <laughs> that it wasn't something uh-huh. that I even entertained and. 
And it's so interesting. You're another one. I said this on the podcast about, and this is, this has the potential to be problematic, but I said this about my friend Josh when he was on the podcast. From the moment I met him, I knew he was gay. I was waiting for him to come Mm -hmm. out. I always felt the same way about you. And when you said that you didn't know, I was like, girl, you played the drums and basketball in a black family. That's gay. (laughs) 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 What do you mean you didn't know? (laughs) You know? It's so true. Yeah, like that's that's the thing. So for me, it's interesting to hear you say and non-playfully, I had been praying for you over the years that God released you to show up as your full self. Um, And when you cut your hair, I was like, okay, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like I knew that it was coming. Um, So for me, it's really interesting to hear you say that you were suppressing it. I wonder what that looked and like to live into for 30 some years. Yeah, yeah. And I shouldn't I shouldn't say I didn't know. It was something that until I got to college, I didn't really, ha- like earlier, didn't really have the terminology, didn't have the point of reference. There was no, mm-hmm. not really, I didn't really know what that was. But I'm thankful now, right? Because in college, I had to, one, for one of my uh, projects, I had to do an immersion project. And guess what Elise chose as her immersion project? What's to go that? out, go to a rock out meeting. That's where all the gay people were. What's a rock what out What is a rock meeting? out meeting? So yeah, it was a that? slippery rock. It's a play on slippery rock and they were out. Oh, interesting. Out okay. Meeting. And I went and it was right before the holidays. So you have a project where you have to immerse yourself in something and you choose a coming out party? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I did. I went to their meeting because until that point, it was, I was like, this is wrong. You don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And um, I hope I don't cry talking about this, but hearing the stories of those students who were afraid to go home, couldn't go home, had to act like somebody else. Like it was, I I still, I get goosebumps just talking about it because of how painful home had always been a safe place for me. So that was very foreign. Like I had no idea people ever experienced that. Right. Um, that, That was my first year of graduate school. So this is 2011, 2011, 2012. So, I'm grateful for that now because there have been challenges, right? With my family trying to understand why, how, what now, you know, and um, God was, God was ordering my steps. I see it. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? I see it now. And I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. Um, I was reading bell hooks in college. I had no idea she was a queer woman till like, I think five or six years ago, and someone was like, oh yeah, Bell Hooks, she's queer, da 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 da. I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, okay. You were being drawn to people that could teach you about yourself. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, before you could identify absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I say that in regards to like currently, Allie has been worth going through all of this. Like, I know she's my person. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I know that I know. You know, it's another one of those things. And for me, it either get on board or get off. However, that's fine. I'm okay with that because I'm finally happy with where it is all colliding for me right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has asked me, you know, what has God said to you about? taking this identity on it's all it's it's the people who have been the naysayers and very few which is why i've had some kind of rose tinted glasses on you know from aunts to cousins like yourself to friends to church people who follow me on social media who inbox me and or just comment like we're so happy that you're living your love out loud it has been amazing to to that's incredible (laughs) one of the things that god shared with me one morning while I was praying about, I was actually praying over Allie and he said back to me, he said, Elise, what, what you're doing 
is of a Martin Luther King Rosa Parks type thing. And I was like, now where are you going? Where are you going with this, brother man? <laughs> and trailblazing it for people. You talk about talking to, talking to God like my mom does. Like y'all just be kikiing and stuff. I'll never hear from God like this. That for those who are going to come behind you, because of what you're doing, those who are going coming behind you are going to have it that much easier. And how do you not cry thinking about that? Because it hasn't, it's not easy doing this. But when you hear affirmation like that, Hmm. of course I'm going to get darts. Uh, My therapist described it as darts. How are you going to figure out how to navigate when the darts come? Because there are going to continue to be some of those. But when you're happy and you're blessed, bring the darts on. Like I, (laughs) I'm good over here. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been the beautiful part of, of this since, you know, um, April, Mm. April of last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that also I, so I worked, um, with formerly homeless youth a lot. So hearing what you're saying about how it's been, um, an easier process than you expected, I think makes me think about how much like, um, classism plays into marginalized identities, right? So like, whereas you have your education, you're in your 30s, you have a good job, your coming out would be different than Mm -hmm. somebody who's 16, 17, living, you know, in public housing, et cetera, with their parents, et cetera, and so on. So that's like, yeah, that's an interesting nuance to note. Absolutely. Absolutely. Privilege. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Privilege. I'm standing on my own two feet. It doesn't make it necessarily I, I don't want to act like I'm saying, well, your process was easier. Like I don't want to put that label on you, but that's kind of what I heard you saying and what plays out in my Absolutely. head. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm dating someone who was not whose experience was completely the opposite of that. I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. you know, um put that on blast, but uh, completely different. But she has been able to mentor myself as well as others through this process. But one of the, another one of the reasons that I got into therapy is like, I don't want that to be her job. Right. I need to do this work myself as well. And um, where were you five years ago with my ex or six years ago with my ex? Come on. What what stands out to me about what you're saying is that you're acknowledging the fact that you that you do have this privilege as Beth is framing it. You know, even in going to you know the the rock out event, like you're seeing how these people don't have a home to go back to. But like, I really admire that security that you have. That security that God loves you. The <laughs> security of the the love you have for Allie. You know yeah. that like how that roots you. How that feels right to you. So you know this is a right thing to do. You know, um, and I and I love that you see that that privilege that you have is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know that you're mm-hmm. seeing it as an opportunity to trailblaze and, and do you know and make it easier for people who are coming coming you know after you. Yeah. When you're talking about being that kind of person that trailblazes, it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Jesus. <laughs> it reminds me of Jesus in his security, like he's secure in the love of God for yes. him. And so he says to his disciples, "You know, I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and take you with me. And mm-hmm. where I'm going to be, you're going to be." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right. And so, like <laughs> the idea that. Every the time my that... family's on this podcast, it's so tricky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I just I love, love the idea. My yeah. That's that place. Here's that. And it just, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. At least there's like so many people who, who, um, who come out, you know, like who, who make this choice to be public in their, um, in this expression of themselves, this like real part of themselves end up having to make a choice between, being authentic in their sexuality or being a person of faith and and you've um you've not made that seem like it's a like 
you know, it's not a, it's not a bifurcation for you. You've managed mm-hmm. to securely be out, be queer, and and claim a faith in Jesus that like we we all share. Yes. And I'm like, it's amazing. And I'm like, as you're blazing that trail, I'm like, how do you? <laughs> How do you share that with someone yeah. who's like shaken in their boots right now thinking about coming out? Here's here's where I am. I'm very grateful for my upbringing. And it's because of all oh, the churchy. You saw how quick we got churchy, right? Oh, I love it. I love it. It is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so is being gay, being queer. So it doesn't feel like another option exists. It doesn't. And And so for me, for someone who is trying to grapple with it, no, it it says that God made us beautiful in who we are. Like Mm -hmm. you are perfectly made. So I see. And made in his image, right? So that means that God is a queer black woman. That's what the shack told me. <laughs> I don't know. If <laughs> um, I, I appreciate that you got that reference, Chris. But I'll say for me that at the end of the day, knowing and saying what I just said, that God loves me. He knows who I am. how others might perceive me people didn't like me before so why would it matter now at the end of the day and i would always say you know all i care about is what god's opinion of me is in my parents and really it's about god and god's opinion of me is love <laughs> and and that's where it funneled down for me for because Mm -hmm. if I can't authentically live my life then then I'm can't genuinely live for him Mm -hmm. and it my purpose here is to serve others and to serve him so if I'm if he created me to serve him and I'm not living out in this way then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. uh I'm about my father's business and I, 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 I take that very seriously. Um, I believe my faith has gotten stronger since owning this part of who I am. Mm. I, I, because I have to lean on him because this is, I'm trying to navigate a new space. So I've had to lean on him even more than I have before. So I just, I believe that God allows these, not challenges, but new opportunities to present themselves in our lives, in our walk with him at just the right time. Because I don't think Elise in college, I don't think Elise in high school would have this confidence that she has now. Hmm. Elise now, I've, I've, I know who I am. I've just, I, and I have known this about myself. I'm just confident enough now to walk it out. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, I call myself the encourager. It's a play on Elise. And this is another space where I get to encourage people to be who you are. God loves you. Mm-hmm. He's impressed by you. He's infatuated with you. And, and nothing, nothing can separate you from him. And, and mm-hmm. I, I, be- I believe that. <laughs> I believe that and I'm walking it out. And you're living it. Yep. Absolutely. How how has it been? I know you're looking for a church right now, but how has how has that been for you like when you've been part of a church? Like in this in this like new um like this is who I am kind of a way. I've had two very interesting things happen. Um I'm not sure I, I've tried to, I'll be honest in saying, I'm not sure who knows at my church, right? Um, one of our worship leaders who I is one of my confidants, she knows, you know, I, I told her all about it, but I don't know about leadership, right? But the last time that I was there, one of the first things the bishop said when he got up, 
he he is recently married okay so i i sit i go sit in the pew and he says isn't it isn't just isn't it just wonderful and he was talking about his wife that you don't have to hide anymore i was like (laughs) is he is he reading my mail or what and i to my knowledge he has no idea but i was like god you're funny you're funny he just talked and he used that terminology which i just absolutely loved um Mm -hmm. so that wasn't that was interesting to me what was the other what was the other story i was gonna tell on on top of that before that right when Allie and i this is back at church Right when Allie and I started dating, she had gone on a trip and she was coming back and we were getting ready to get up and do some brunch after after church, right? We were linking up in, in Pittsburgh, okay? As one does. Oh, brunch, brunch, is my, <laughs> brunch is my favorite. Okay? And the bishop brought me up uh, right before right before the benediction at church. He said, he put his, he, brought, he said, at least Beth, you know, because I grew up there, so he knows the whole government, right? He's like, at least Beth, come, come up here. So I go up. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know what you're going through, but the Lord told me to honor you. And I was like, okay, all right. Oh. Okay, all right. No, I kid you not, y'all. He had everybody come up and give money to me. And just lay money at my feet. I missed going to churches <laughs> like that. I used to always hope I was the one that got picked for that. But praise God that that's the moment that you had. I started instantly thinking about the money. Sorry. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Uh huh. Yeah, Beth has to arrange a whole reparations project. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All we really need is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so much but i was just like okay so again there have been these so you ask me how i'm doing this it's because those confirmations along the way have just been god's just been sprinkling them in like salt bay just it's it's been amazing and 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 we're almost a year in like i can't wait to to celebrate uh with ali you know um for oh you love you some Allie. oh my gosh no kidding yeah i do it's <laughs> like my favorite part of this whole. Thing. i just um i <laughs> messaged her last night and i was like i hope it's not like off-putting how much i tell her um, cra- how crazy i am about her because i've never i never got to express myself in this way all mm. all of the relationships mm. that i had with that and the people and they weren't relationships. The people I pursued were men that never actually, I, I never actually dated them. I can never actually like, this sounds raunchy, but like seal the deal. Like I never, They never became my boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, all cl- we all clutched our pearls just yes. then. Oh, great. We've got we've to like change the rating of this podcast now. Thanks <laughs> Just because of you talking about sealing the deal. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've got a question. Beth, I've got a question for you. Okay. Which is that, like, I don't know. Beth, are you worried at all about Elise? Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah Tell me about definitely. that. Tell me about that. I think <laughs> now I feel weird saying it, but I wonder if this honeymoon phase will wear off and when will the pain happen for you? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's why I sent you queer theology right away. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as you came out officially, I was like sending you stuff oh, so that is. you could feel solid in your identity when those darts that you're talking about yeah. happen. Um, I'm feeling differently hearing you talk now, but I think initially before this conversation, yeah, I definitely have been like, okay. And when this wears off, when she's not all googly eyed over Allie, what will what will her experience be? And will she be prepared for it? And will her faith remain? I think I have a fear that you would lose your faith. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. It's funny. I've been over here thinking along the same lines, Beth. I'm like, at least I just I, I hope like you, you land in a community where like 
it's known like you, you can tell everybody would be amazing but like you're held in trust like these these blessings don't come at you sideways by people who may or may not know but like they are fully affirming of of you and all your aspects yeah um and that you're held in that like mm-hmm. i so appreciate that and i that's that's a hope i just like the the world of churches it's really it's hard to find it truly yeah. it truly is and I think because it's been a struggle so much with my immediate family that kind of keeps it not so honeymoon, <laughs> honeymoon. Life. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't want to act. <laughs> yeah. That's been the interesting part. Those parts of my life have kind of flip flopped. I've all like, mm. I've always been super tight with my mom, especially my folks, but that has like now because of that being such a bright my relationship and who I am being such a bright spot of my life and so excited about that not really being able to share Mm. that with them it's been different I've been leaning on my chosen family and so everybody who I would say that most people know by now right like um we're going to the president of the university that I sit on and Allie's coming with me. Like I was like, yeah, we're going to be in town. And I shared that with my mom. There was no, because I was like, oh, Allie's coming with me and we're going to, there was no, none of that. Um, mm-hmm. She did not even like acknowledge. Okay. And that has been, although it's challenging, um, I'm okay with it because I am finally happy in a way that I, have never gotten to experience and it's it it makes it all it makes it all worth it yeah yeah it's funny i feel like our parents can just be um kind of interesting about relationships in general yes (laughs) because at one point in time my dad called my partner that i lived with for three and a half years my friend uh-huh. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you talking about my boyfriend? We're not. You edit this out, Andrew. But my okay. response, my response was, we're not the lesbian aunties that you have to call friends. Like, this is my boyfriend. <laughs> okay, now, Why do I have to edit this out? Okay, this is great. Because no, <laughs> I feel like people are going to think I'm homophobic in this episode. No. I'm saying stereotypes about how I knew my cousin was gay. Like, I'm wilding. No, can we keep this because... My dad, I've now what's been interesting. So I had to have a big talk with them back in January. Like, hey, last month, that's not that long yeah, ago. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> All of this is very fresh, yeah, actually, right. Elise. I'm, I'm realizing that as we're talking. Yeah. So we're kind of still in oh, yeah. it with you oh, in your process of coming yes. out. I would be so interested in having this conversation again a year oh, from yeah. now. Oh, you know what sure. I mean? I Episode 100. That. Yeah, uh, I'm here for it. What, in one year? All right, at least go, go ahead. We keep it. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. My dad used that same terminology. Um, he's, friend. he's like, how's your friend Allie? Oh. And I let him, and I told you about this. I said, I let him do it once. Mm-hmm. I let him do it twice. And I was like, hey, I understand that you probably don't want to use the term girlfriend. I understand that you pro- probably don't feel comfortable partner, but she's not my friend. So, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you can say Good Allie. For you. Yeah, you can for say... Sure. Uh, soon to be Doctor Eagle, but you're not. <laughs> you're not <laughs> but you're not gonna say, you know, um, right. just my, my friend. friend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, so that's great. It's um, it's it's important to me that that be acknowledged. And I, what I'm one of my favorite things that has come up for me in this too is being braver. I'm not. I was best. just thinking about how brave you are. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not. I've had to be brave and I've had to be brave in having those conversations. I've had to be brave in telling them about mm-hmm. this, you know? Um, and so I, I'm appreciative. And again, I think it's another way that God has kind of, I said, I said to Allie not too long ago, I said, I've really had to grow up a lot this year. I think I even said it in therapy last night. Like I've had to grow up a lot. Like I haven't been able to, you know, talk to my parents like I used to. I, it's, 
it's just shifted. A lot of things have shifted in some of the best ways possible, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, I'm grateful. And, and even my relationship with God, I think I pray more now than I ever did before. No, again, no one's asked me. I said, God, you know, I really would like to meet my partner and my doctoral program. Wasn't expecting, wasn't expecting to, to found it, find it the way that I did. And I'm so grateful. God, he's still in the business of answering prayer. And if you're, if you're willing to, to meet him in a way where he can be himself and creative and lovely. And create magic almost. I didn't even get to see Allie at first because she, we, I was attending class via zoom and it didn't show like the people in the class that well, like I couldn't really see anybody. It wasn't until I came up up here and I mean here as an eerie, but I'm like the first, second time um, of meeting her and hanging out where we really got to get to know each other. So so yeah, I feel I feel really I feel really blessed to be where I am right now. That's yeah. beautiful. That is beautiful. I really admire uh yeah, that security and how like the how how deeply rooted in that love you are, mm-hmm. you know, that that these things that you see God through this experience. Absolutely. Um uh, yeah, so we definitely, I think, do should probably check in with you at some point in the future and <laughs> yeah. see where you land. Yeah. I would love that. I would yeah. love that. And, yeah. and that's and Bethany said, you know, what are you comfortable talking about? And I try to be an open book uh, because mm-hmm. I, I and I just said to Allie before I got on with you all, I said your test is your testimony, your mess is your message, right? And. <laughs> That is so churchy. You got oh, that from Michael Todd. Probably. At least. Yeah. At least like, right now she's like dropping the quotes and for Instagram. At least knows the deal. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Can we, can we wrap, can we go into our last segment? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Hey, it's Tess. I'm here to remind y'all to not only go follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Color Correction Podcast but also to like, share, and comment on our posts. This pushes us to the feeds of more folks who like... Oh, sorry, Andrew. Someone just knocked at my door. Give me one minute. Hey, it's Tess. I'm here to remind y'all to not only go follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Color Correction Podcast, but also to like, share, and comment on our posts. This pushes us to the feeds of more folks who might like this juicy podcast about race and faith. Help us keep the algorithm happy with some interaction. You can also give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to us and tell someone you know about us. Plus, we just like hearing what resonates with you. Again, you can find us at, at Color Correction Podcast. Say how to the algorithm for me. Um, so the last thing we like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week. Beth, do you want to kick us off? Oh, my God. I just saw what you wrote, and now I wish that was mine, what I what? was into. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Now I'm jealous. Whatever. So, but I really what do, do love what I'm into. <laughs> um, I Like I mentioned earlier in the show, I got to celebrate my line sister, Danessa's 30th birthday this weekend. And all of us being together and realizing that 2022 makes 10 years of being in my sorority. I am super into my sorority, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, founded on the uh, campus of Butler University in Indianapolis, Indiana, on November 12th, 1922. E-yip to the good poodles. That's what I'm into. Nice. I love it. Chris? I love it. Yeah. So um, I think it's because I missed a vacation and like we're still kind of in lockdown. So like I my my like my cynicism dial is a little bit up. Um, I've I fell into um, travel man. Um, Richard Ayuade. He's acerbic and um, his his observations are are wry and witty and it, like and, and in many ways like his 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 like his idea of travel um reminds me of andrew what he, he in what he, ways he, like he does not want to be in nature for a second oh, okay <laughs> huh maybe i should watch this show yeah it's pretty great <laughs> um it's like it's it's in no way a new show i just i just found it on prime and i've, I've been i've been binging it it's great nice all right elise what are you into wordle 
<laughs> Great. Now this podcast is dated. What, you think Rotor will be over by the time this podcast comes out? <laughs> On Sunday. Four days away. <laughs> I think Rotor is here to stay. I think so, too. I don't really subscribe to the New York Times taking it over because the words have just been obno- really obnoxious. Uh, That's what I've heard. It's absurd. Like, the first word when they took it over was cynic. It's like, hey. mm. good word, but like, yeah. Yeah, and today was... Don't drag us down, New York Times. I know. So the words used to be easier than that? For sure. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's been very extra. <laughs> but I still play it because I'm very competitive, and um, it's a nice nice brain exercise to start the morning. I also don't get the the cynicism around it because I feel like it's like a nice collective experience, yes. you know? I like that all these people are. I like. I don't play it, but I like that everybody's into it. You know? That's exactly what I said when I heard that the New York Times was going to take it over because I thought people were going to have to start paying for it. And I said, "Don't steal the collective joy that we all have right now." Um, and yeah. so, thankfully, it's still free. But yeah, um, I have a critique of Wordle. Is that why you? Is that why you were like, "I think Wordle's fine," like that, Andrew? Because you know, I have a critique. Uh, no, what's your critique though? Okay, I thought you might have saw my tweets. Um, I so I find games like that a bit annoying because they make um, they make people think that they're smart just because they know words. Um, and I kind of feel about Wordle the way I feel about the SAT. Like it's supposed to be, or oftentimes it's regarded as a measure of intelligence, and it's really not a measure of intelligence. It's just a matter of familiarity with words. And I think that about Wordle. So like if you're I don't know, from my neighborhood in Strawberry Mansion and you only went to public school, you just might not have sex. Sex? Whoa. You might Ooh. not. Just... <laughs> we'll just leave um, it at that. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> you just might not have success just because you don't have familiarity with words. You may not have been as exposed to as many words, so... Mm-hmm. But I don't play Wordle just because I don't want to get obsessed with it. But mm-hmm. that's my critique of it. I, I'm trying to find this tweet. I'll look for it later. I mean, I'm complete garbage at Wordle. I'm terrible at Wordle. I'm terrible at Scrabble. And I think of myself as a reasonably articulate and intelligent person. Reasonably. I do too. You're wicked But, you know, I, I'm, I'm very bad at these games. It's like my Wordle is just like six rows of, of failure. <laughs> Um. <laughs> so you're throwing my theory out the window, which is no, I agree going to be with what the New York Times saying. calls it when they finally have all the rights. <laughs> right, <laughs> six rows of failure. Um, I am into uh, a show on ABC called Abbott Elementary. Woo, Quinta! Yes, uh, yes. Um, created by Quinta so Johnson. Good. Brunson. Abbott Elementary. Brunson. All right, let me start that over. Created by Quinta Brunson. <laughs> I really heckled um, you. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> um, created by Quinta Brunson, um, who is who also stars in the show, I guess, right? As Janine, yeah. yeah, yeah. As Janine, she plays Janine. It's such a good, it's such a good show, and it's so specific. What I love about it is that it's so specifically Philly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And not just like we'll just have people say John and cheesesteak occasionally. It's like very specific references to Philly stuff. Yeah. Um. And it's just a great show uh, about people in the public school system that are trying to that are like w- working against the system to make change. So it's hits really close to uh, to home for for a lot of people I have in our a circles. For you, Andrew, did you uh-huh. did you ever think that you were going to be into a show on network television? Like, is that wild? Yeah, well, that's not wild. I love. I, I'll watch anything anywhere. I'm not. I, I'm not. I. I, I don't. I'm Chris, not, I'm are a, you a network yeah, television like a, snob? Where's this coming from? It sounds like bit. you're the network television I, I, snob. I, I, I guess I am. I'm just. I'm. Yeah. A, ABC, especially. I'm like, oh wow, that, no, it's a good show. I'm and surprised. then your face when Andrew was like, "I'll watch good television everywhere," I'll you were like, "Oh, anywhere. okay, <laughs> I guess." <laughs> well, <laughs> people like um, you, Andrew, <laughs> watching ABC. <laughs> Yeah, wow, Chris, we're a little bit of a snob. The Lolita's there. I am... Right. Um, okay. I just, you know, I'm just asking what the people are thinking, that's all. <laughs> what do you have against ABC? I don't even understand. All right, whatever. Um, okay. Special thanks to uh, Tess Patino, our social media goddess, 
uh, and on, under normal times when we're not online to Joe Mahoney, our audio engineer. Uh, Amy Young does our website. And Jared Selby does our theme song. And I want to thank my cousin again for coming on the podcast and talking about her experience with faith and queerness and navigating, um, embracing all of who she is. And I pray that God keeps on blessing you in this journey, my cousin. Um, And to all of you, thank you for listening to 50 episodes of this podcast. Keep listening. Keep talking to us about how you're navigating your race and faith and Jesus following and write into us and let us know how you're doing with that at colorcorrectionpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. And with that, stay black, little mermaid.